If you are glad you came to church today and you were blessed by the worship, can we just put our hands together and thanks to God? Yeah, thank you to the praise team. We've had some church. We've had some church already. Thank you for that. Praise God for that. Hey, before I pray and before we jump into the teaching, I want to let you know about something super, super important. Next Sabbath, only having one service. It's true. You're wondering why are we just having one service? It's for a very important reason. It's because we're having breakfast during first service. You're saying, okay, Rodley, why are we having breakfast in first service and just having one church service? It's because next Sabbath, we get to meet our new senior pastor, Shane Anderson. In second service, it's going to be the installation service. Our conference leaders are going to be here. So I want to encourage everybody to come through. We want everybody to be here. We want to pack the house. We want to welcome him together as best as we can. All right, church? So don't come here ready for church at 9 a.m. Come ready to eat at 9 a.m. And so there's more instructions on that in the back of the church bulletin. Make sense? Everybody good? Okay. Well, with that, let's bow our heads as we pray. Father in heaven, what an absolute joy it is to be here together as one church family. Every single one of us united those online, gathered on couches and computers and iPhones, and all of us gathered together here. And we just pray in the name of Jesus that your sweet spirit would touch every person And open up our hearts and our minds as your word is taught today. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So have you ever felt like life is not fair? So maybe you're studying for the test really hard. You go above and beyond and you prepare all the note cards and you take the test. But then the guy that showed up 10 minutes before the test and just studied for a few minutes does better than you. Have you ever experienced that before? Do you ever feel like life is a little bit unfair? Or maybe you work really hard in college, you do the right internships, you graduate Phi Beta Kappa and all the honor societies and all of that, and you apply for the job of your dreams, but then the guy who is best friends with the boss's son gets the job instead of you. Yeah, painful. Can you imagine? Have you ever felt like life is a little bit unfair? But let's zoom out a little bit. Have you ever felt like maybe God is unfair? Maybe a loved one of yours dies too soon. Or maybe, let's say, you know, it could be something like your car breaks down. And then two months after that, your furnace finally flounders. It gives up and you have to make a huge investment into your home. Or maybe somebody in your family gets significantly sick and the hospital bills begin to pile up. Have you ever felt like God is maybe just unfair? Meanwhile, there's your neighbor, right, who doesn't believe in God and They're always posting about these amazing vacations that they go on that you could never afford. And somehow, mysteriously, every single member of their family looks like some kind of Abercrombie or Ralph Lauren model. Just like, how does that work? That doesn't seem fair. By the way, in case you're just joining us, today we're actually in part four. It's the final sermon in this series called Adventures in Faith Walking, where we're actually 
studying a little bit, some snapshots in the life of Moses. And we're trying to discern what it is to be a people of God in the midst of transition. So we've been looking at these different parts of his life, and today we're going to continue in that because let me ask you a question, church. Are we a church in transition? We definitely are. I mean, our former senior pastor, Pastor Dwight, after 40 years, he stepped down, transitioned out. And next week, we already mentioned, we get to meet our new senior pastor, Shane Anderson. It's probably watching online. So hey, Pastor Shane. Look forward to seeing you next week. So it's true, we are indeed a church. We are a movement in transition. But today, for just a few moments, I want to talk to you on the topic of what to do when life seems a little bit unfair. Okay, so there was Moses, that reluctant leader. God had placed the calling on his life and said, I want to choose you to lead a million plus people out of Egypt and into the promised land. And look, for anybody else, this would have seemed like the ultimate job promotion. You get to be the the big, big dog. Sign me up, right? You you get to be the, the big boss, but not for Moses. You see, he had become unschooled and unambitious to the ways of man, and he had become attached to communion with God as a shepherd. But yet, nonetheless, he demurely accepted the call. And eventually he became so passionate that the mission of God actually became his dream. And he led the people and decades passed. And finally, there they were in the 40th year of their sojourn. They can, he can see the promised land there in the distance. And all of a sudden, the dream of Moses was about to be fulfilled. He was going to lead the people into the promised land. I want to invite you. Let's pick up the story in Numbers chapter 20, beginning verse 1. Now I'm going to begin in your hearing. The Bible says, In the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin. And they stayed at Kadesh. There Miriam died and was buried. Moses' older sister. Now there was no water for the community. and The people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness? That we and our livestock should die here. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place. It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. Now, let me ask you a question. If you were Moses, how would you be feeling right about now? I mean, for one, his mourning the loss of his sister. Remember, the one that literally saved his life when he was a baby, mama put him in that little ark by faith, but she was the one that was watching in the river in the reeds. The same one that years later, after they walked on dry ground through the Red Sea, she was the one that says, ladies, we really need to take up a refrain and sing that song. How does it go? She said, we need to sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea and all the ladies, they sang together that refrain and said, amen. That same one, Miriam, had just died. 
his mourning the loss of his sister, his within striking distance of finally fulfilling his dream of entering into the promised land, and now his face with fresh rebellion, great. So he goes to God for counsel. That's wise. Notice God's answer, Numbers chapter 20, verse 8. He says, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that so they and their livestock can drink. Now, if this sounds familiar, it's because 40 years earlier, their forefathers were at that same exact rock. And if you remember, same rock, a little bit different. In the previous version, 40 years earlier, what did God command Moses to do? He commanded him to take the staff and to strike the rock and water came out. But I want you to notice, seems very similar, but now it's actually a little bit different, isn't it? What does he tell him to do? He says, I want you to take the staff with you, but you're not going to use it. You're going to bring it with you because it represents my power and my presence. You're going to take the staff, but this time you're going to speak to the rock and then water will come out. Moses, are you clear? Do you understand the assignment? Yes, God, I understand. But what did Moses actually do? Notice verse 10, Numbers chapter 20. says, he and Aaron gathered the assembly together. So far, so good. Check, check. In front of the rock. Okay, sounds good. So far, so good. And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. Hold on a second. Moses is going a little bit off script all of a sudden. And then he says something really dangerous. Don't miss this. He says, must we... Bring you water out of this rock. Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. The sentence was immediate. I'm sorry, Moses. Because you disobeyed, I'm going to have to close this door to your dreams. You will not lead the people into the promised land. And some of you are thinking, well, hold on a second, Rodley. I mean, isn't this just a little bit harsh? Moses was leading this difficult people for all this time. Why did God kind of take this so seriously? I want you to notice what the sin actually was and why it was so significant. Notice again in verse 12 how the Bible describes the sin. It says, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel. Well, what does that mean? I mean, first of all, Moses lost his temper, yes or no? Yeah, he definitely lost his temper. Is it good for the leader like that to lose his temper in front of the people? No, it's not good. It's not a good look. But notice now the huge sin and why it was so serious. Because he insinuated that he was the power behind the miracle. He said, must we Bring you water out of this rock, you bunch of rebels. 
By the way, speaking to the rock was the greater miracle than just hitting the rock. Because you see, maybe just by hitting the rock, maybe a rock could have been dislodged. Maybe an aquifer could have been opened up by hitting the rock. But by speaking to the rock, well, we know that that wouldn't have been just a coincidence. Because only God can make water come out of a dry rock. That would have induced awe and fear in the people of God. There's no way that would have been a a coincidence. God is saying, Moses, I wanted them to know that by obeying my word, lives can be transformed. You see, God is in the, bo- in the business of making dry bones live through the word. You see, God is in the business of turning deserts into a deluge of praise through the word. You see, God is in the business of turning mourning into dancing because of the word. You see, God is in the business of healing through the word. Arise, take up that bed and walk. God can do all of that and more merely through the spoken word. I just wanted you to speak to the rock, Moses, so that they could appreciate and see my power. But you took matters into your own hands and you robbed me of the glory. He said, shall we bring water out of this rock? God said, no, you will not pass over Moses. Now, let me ask you a question in this moment. How do you Think, how would you have felt if you were Moses? Do you suppose you would have been tempted to think that maybe God is unfair? I mean, think about it. I mean, imagine what Moses perhaps could have been thinking. I mean, God, do you have any idea what I went through with those people for 40 years? God, you know how difficult they were. I mean, I gave you the very best years of my life, sweating out there in the desert, God, and they're constantly rebelling against me. God, do you know how many times I was on my face interceding on their, praying to you, interceding on their behalf because they were always messing things up. And now you're going to give me this, God? You're going to close that door to my dream now? Really? The question is, I mean, what do you do when life seems unfair? What do you do when God seems unfair? I want to share with you two principles from the life of Moses. Here's the first one. Principle number one, you humbly submit to the providence of God. Now, I want you to notice something that not only did God tell them that they would not cross over, But God revealed to him and Aaron that they would die on that side of the Jordan. God could have very easily have said, Moses, you did mess up, yes. I'm not going to be able to allow you to go into the promised land, but since you've been such a good, faithful servant and shepherd, I'm going to let you retire and live out the rest of your natural life on that side of the Jordan. God could have said that, yes or no, right? I mean, God could have done that. But God said, no. That's it. You and Aaron are not going to cross over. 
and you're going to die on this side of the Jordan. Do you suppose the sentence was hard for Moses? Well, we don't have to guess. I mean, in Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 25, the Bible tells us that Moses actually pleaded with God. We don't know how many times he pleaded, but the Bible says he pleaded with God that God would change the sentence. But what did Moses do? He humbly submitted to the providence of God. He's Okay. And we don't hear one more word from Moses about that after that. He, he just simply submitted himself humbly to the providence of God. So what do you do when you get to a time, a moment in your life in which you feel like life or maybe even God is being unfair? I want to invite you, friends, to do what Moses did. You humbly submit yourself to the providence of God. But not just that, you also do this. Second principle, you trust in God's plan. Notice what the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 1. The Bible says, Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah, as far as the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev and the whole region from the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. Verse 5, Deuteronomy 34 And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab. As the Lord had said, he buried him in Moab, in the valley opposite Beth Peor, but to this day no one knows where his grave is. And it says Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not weak nor his strength gone. I can imagine Moses saying, God, I accepted this commission because you said that Aaron was going to be by my side. God, I accepted this commission because I thought you were going to use my talents, my abilities, my experience to lead the Israelites into the promised land, into the next chapter of their story. But instead, what did he do? He submitted to God's providence And he trusted in God's plan. I love this quote by Craig Rochelle. Notice what he says. He says, obedience is our responsibility. The outcome is whose? God's. Your job is to be faithful and to obey the revelation of God. What happens after that is completely God's responsibility. He continues, you don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. By the way, Jesus loved Moses so much 
Did you know that according to Jude verse 5, the Bible says that Jesus is the one that led the Israelites out of Egypt. He was the fire by night and he was the cloud by day. Jesus was there with Moses for those 40 years. Jesus saw their travails and the difficulties. Jesus saw everything that he went through and Jesus loved Moses. That's why the Bible says that Jesus did something, God did something for Moses that we do not find recorded for anybody else. Do you know what he did? Two things. First of all, the Bible says that God, come on, receive that God personally buried Moses. Man, whoa. You know, you you get a picture of a father lovingly Burying his child. He just buries him himself. But not just that. I mean, Jesus loved Moses, loves Moses so much that then he did something again that was completely unprecedented. You point me to the scripture, I don't think it exists. It had never before happened in the history of the universe. God resurrected Moses. The book of Jude, it tells us that he came as Michael, the archangel name of Jesus, and he came and he personally resurrected Moses. God said, I'm not going to allow his body to suffer decomposition. I'm going to bring my boy back with me. And now check this out. Again, God loved Moses. Fast forward now to the time of Jesus. And Matthew chapter 17 tells us the story of Jesus as he was getting ready to go into Jerusalem. He had his disciples with him and he told them, guys, I'm going to be going through some stuff very shortly. I'm going to get persecuted. They're going to treat me bad. And yea, even they're going to kill me. So he said, we need to huddle up. We need to pray. And so he, he invites his disciples, three of them, to join him in prayer there on this mountain. And Jesus begins to pour out his heart to God. God, please give me the strength. God, please, I, I, I don't know if I can go through this. God, I don't know. And he's just crying. He's pouring out his heart to God. Meanwhile, the God of the Father is in heaven. And look, I don't have a a verse to give you on this, but I'm pretty sure here's kind of how it went down. Look, here's God the Father watching his son Jesus, wanting to minister to him. And I imagine 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands of angels ready to go to minister to Jesus. Imagine Gabriel, the mightiest angel in the universe ready to minister to Jesus. God says, no. He says, I need someone who knows what it is to suffer. I must send someone who knows what it is to cry out to me because of the mission. 
I must send someone who knows what it feels like to be scorned and rejected by men. I will send Elijah, but I will also send Moses. And so can you imagine, there's Moses, the one that had experienced so much suffering in his life. The one that was not able to make it into the promised land. All of a sudden, God the Father says, you are the one that's going to go and minister to my son. And there upon the mountain, guess what? Where Moses was. Thank God. Is this... Yeah. You're in the promised land, Moses. You're in the promised land, Moses. Moses... I could not let you go into the promised land. I could not fulfill that promise yet. But Moses, when my son was going to need it most, I was going to need you. And guess what? Your feet were going to touch the promised land. Beloved, there's times in which God closes the door and it's utterly confusing. There's times in which, and, often, and it doesn't have to be as a result of disobedience, there's times in your life in which God puts a stumbling block. He changes the course. He closes that door to your dream and you're stopped before entering the promised land. And what do you do? I invite you, friends. You humbly submit to the providence of God and you trust in God's plan. Well, I believe I'm talking to somebody here today. I'm talking to somebody that's watching online who's in that intersection point in their life. You've experienced that. You're saying, you know, I, I, I thought it was going to, but no, God, I see that that door closed and I don't understand. And maybe you feel like God is not being fair, but I just want to urge you, I exhort you in the name of Jesus, you submit those dreams, you humbly submit to God's providence and you trust in God's plan. Because by the way, there's some things that will never be clear on this side of the Jordan. So many things in our life will never make sense. You're saying, God, I'm getting older. God, I've been holding on to this promise. God, I've been praying to this prayer. God, you've given me this promise and I've been claiming it for you. Guess what? Some of us are not going to see the answers to those prayers on this side of the Jordan. Oh, but thank God there's a heavenly Jordan, a heavenly Canaan. We will cross that Jordan. And when we get there, friends, all of a sudden, God, God will say, my son, my daughter, can I now unfold the full plan to you? And we will see the full plan. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to put praise hands up. And we're going to worship I said, wow, God, okay. I didn't see it then. 
I couldn't figure out what you were up to, God. It, it just did not make any sense at all why you closed that door to my dream, God. I don't understand why you allowed me to stay on this side of the Jordan, God. But now, God, now that I'm in the heavenly Jordan, now that I've crossed over in the heavenly Canaan, now, God, thank you and I praise you forevermore. I want to make an invitation right now. I just want to have a special word of prayer, actually. For someone that might be in that space right now, though. You're confused. Maybe you're feeling like life is not fair. Maybe you're feeling like God is not fair. Maybe you're hurting. And you cannot conceive what God is up to. But today, you want to say, God, I am willing to submit to your providence. And I'm willing to trust in your plan. If that's you today, just raise your hand wherever you are. If you say, God, for those watching online, the same thing. Just said, me too. Amen. If you say, God, I, I want to submit to your providence and I want to trust in your plan. God bless you. Let me, let me pray for you right now. Father in heaven, I want to pray for every single person that raised their hands today. For every single person that are on their keyboards and they're saying, yeah, me too, God. For those watching online. Thank you because you're such an incredible God. Thank you because you are a good God who has good purposes and good plans for our life. Oh God, but sometimes we confess that there's things that happen that just don't make sense. But today, we, you saw the hands that went up. They were saying, God, I humbly submit to your providence, God. And I choose to trust that you have a plan and I will be obedient even though I do not understand that plan. So to that end, Father, I just draw really close to every single one of my friends that, were, that are claiming that today, that are asking that today. And I do thank you, Father, because one day after that great getting up morning, when we're all together, you're going to make it clear for us and we're just going to praise you and we're going to say, God, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. Now I see and I thank you. So to that end now, Father, we just commit ourselves once again into your hands. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.